Well, as I mentioned, we're going to look at a story today from Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is teaching and talking to a group of people with his disciples and the crowds are gathering as usual. And Jesus is um, questioned by people that I mentioned before are the religious people, the people that... Um, and this is a mixture, you know, uh, uh, it's a mixture of people that are well-meaning, well-intended. It's a mixture of people that are, are tr doing the right thing as best as they're able. And it's, a, it's some people that are um, just really more interested in their appearance and how they look. And what we're going to see in this is that, that what the appearance they're putting up for everyone else it's not at all what these people are really like. And this is, this is something that can be a danger to us, is when people put up something as truth that isn't truth, and when that truth is found out, they go on the offensive. So here, in Matthew chapter 23, let's put the first part up there. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. So Jesus is starting out by saying that they need to do, that they need to practice what they preach, right? That's where this comes from. You need to do the things that you say you're going to do. So next, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move one little finger. So here, this is a good picture, Jesus is saying. They're saying, watch out for these people that always want everybody else to carry the load, and never once are they willing themselves to do anything to help. They just want everybody else to carry their weight and not to ever do their own. So this is relatable stuff. This is stuff we deal with. We all know these people, these people that don't carry their weight and expect everyone else to do it. And they also are living in a way where it looks one way, but it's actually another. Next, verse 5, for they do all their deeds to be seen by others. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And we can all relate to that, right? That's a joke. <laughs> This is, these, are, these are these things that they created that they used in their life to remember to pray and be in God's word. So they're directly out of Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus and all these Old Testament books where they're given these commands. Now we're seeing in action these phylacteries they carry and the fringes were a way to show that it's like wearing a cross. It'd be like if you had on a cross necklace and someone noticed it. And then you had like a, like a flavor flave cross, you know, like a giant one that takes up your whole chest and everybody's like, whoa, I guess you believe in Jesus, huh? That's what they're doing here is they're saying, hey, I've got this thing that I want everybody to notice. Look at how awesome I look. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. So they love being in positions and places of power. They weren't doing it for God. They weren't doing it because they really needed the prayer or the reminder of God's word. They were doing it to look a certain way. 
And so this is what happens with Christians oftentimes. We live a certain way and we say what you should watch or what you should do or where you should spend your time or how you should parent your children or how you should act in church or how you should act around certain people. All these things. And we have people in our lives that, that believe their mission in life is to tell everybody else what to do and how to do it really, really well. And so, they're afraid if people know the truth about them, they lose their power, their influence, their comfort. And the reason they do this is so that people think they're great. It's all based in self-righteousness. And this is what I love about Jesus. If you'll notice, Jesus will give the truth that then he applies that truth to the life. If you notice, when Jesus comes across a prostitute or a tax collector or somebody in society that's looked down upon, he treats them with love and grace. When he comes across somebody in society that society looks up upon, so to speak, if they've got the wrong intentions, he calls them out. And either way he does it, he applies the truth of the word to someone's life, whether they need grace or whether they need a reminder of what they're doing wrong. It's what Pastor Scott said last week, Reformation, law and gospel. This is Jesus doing this in his natural teaching and preaching. That's how Jesus taught. That's what Paul wrote. That's why he wrote the way he did, giving us an idea of where we're failing the law and where there's grace, the gospel, so that we can try our best to understand that it's not about how people see us. It's about how we see ourselves. Now hear me, how we see ourselves in relationship to Jesus. When we see ourselves through Jesus the way God sees us, that's when we give ourselves grace. When we see ourselves through anything else other than Jesus, then there's sin involved and that's where we get off track. So Jesus is trying to apply these things to people's lives so that others see where the failure is and where the breakdown is. So he says they do all these things for show, to look good. And that's all based in what we read during our confession absolution. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them, you shall walk with them, and you shall think about them when you're awake and when you're sleeping. That's why these people now, hundreds of years later, are doing these things. They're trying, or it's based in, following what God's called them to do. They've just twisted it. So then, they do the deeds seen by others, they make them broad in the fringes line, they love to be in a place of honor, and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. It's all about them. Next. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. So what he's saying is everything is about our relationship in God 
including our relationships with one another. That we are all united because we're all created by one God. And so Jesus just wants everyone to take a look inside. He wants these people that are self-righteous, that are living this way, to step back and reflect. And he wants everybody else that aren't completely falling into this to be aware so that when we see it in our own lives, we can be aware of it. So that when we have those moments where we realize we failed, or we have those moments where we're trying our best to live by God's word, that we're doing it for the right reasons, not to glorify ourselves. And so Jesus is saying these things, saying that, that they love to have these places of honors. They love to be called rabbi. They love to be important. They love to have everything on them. And there are sometimes people that are doing this appropriately. Sometimes, have you ever met those people, you just meet somebody. I can think of a couple people in my life. My pastor growing up, this is somebody that... Um, just example, it, he almost made me not become a pastor, not because of anything he did, because I was comparing myself in my mind to this man who was such a wonderful pastor my entire life that I'm like, I am no way I can be that guy. But why I share, his name was Pastor Bob. And, you know, Pastor Bob was just the guy that always had a smile, always had a comforting word, would, was the opposite of everything we've been talking about. He would do anything for anyone. And it was like, you see these people, and sometimes these people are the people that, that, not that they're perfect by any means, but they're living this the best way they know how, and they're doing it for the right reasons. So sometimes there are people that just, you look up to, that are religious leaders, you look up to, that are pastors, that are teachers, that have these positions of authority because they're doing it the way God's called them to do it. So I don't want to discount that. There are always people who are superstars, who rise above, who meet expectations and then blow them away. And so there are those people out there too that are part of our churches, our communities, our lives. And so we strive to be more like those disciples, those people, than the ones who are doing it for all the other reasons. And so when we do this, we have to keep perspective. So, neither be called, oh, you have one instructor, Jesus. Yeah, neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, Christ. Listen, what that, all that's saying is that if, if you're being taught things anywhere other than from Jesus as a starting point, then it's probably coming from the wrong place. Everything should come through the lens of Jesus Christ. All right, next. And then the greatest among you shall be your servant. And we hear this all the time in church, right? So we're used to hearing it. But the truth is, is that this is absolutely counterintuitive to everything in the world is teaching us. Everything the world is teaching us is grab power, grab control, don't do anything for anyone else, especially not just because. People should be doing things for you. And what it's saying is, no, you need to have a starting point of a place of humility and service towards others. And now, before 
We totally get caught up in just this. The other side of this is that there are some times where as Christian brothers and sisters, we need to call each other out in love. And this is the balancing act that's really difficult. Sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we see our friends, our family, people in our lives that are going down a path that's destructive. And so we use God's word to encourage them to change those things because we care. And I don't want to discount that. Because sometimes what we hear is, well, I can't ever tell anybody else what to do because i got enough stuff to work on in my own life. Well, that's actually a true statement. But we can still help one another in love. I had a pastor mentor tell me, and this has stuck with me for 10 years, that if you speak the truth in love, from a place of truth and a place of love, genuinely, God's word tells us that it's always going to be effective. And time and time again, I've seen this happen. I've had people get mad at me. I've had people scream at me, cuss me out, call me names, get frustrated. I've had people get hurt. I've had people stop talking to me. When I've encouraged them in love, and 99 times out of 100, the person has thanked me for it later. Because I never do it unless it's genuinely like, hey, I see something in your life that I want to just talk to you about. It's never like, you need to stop doing this because I'm Pastor Ben. No. It's like, listen, man, I've either been there, nobody who's been there, or seen somebody go down that road, and I don't want you to do it, so let me see if I can help. That's the difference. And so what this is talking about here is that that's a place of humility, and see, even now as I say that, I'm like, did I just call myself humble? Did I just do what I'm preaching against doing? Do I have to tell people now that I didn't mean? No. We get all sorts of in our head and we start, when we do the right thing, then we're like, wait, by doing the right thing and knowing we did the right thing, am I taking too much credit? Don't live that way. The point of all this is, is to say, when you come from a place of service and love and you speak the truth in love and you don't put yourself first, then you're living a life like Jesus did. And then verse 12, for whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And as we wrap up, I want to share a parable with you. This is a perfect picture of all of this. Sometimes these parables help us to see these things play out. And Luke shares the same exact story and gives us a picture. And a parable is just, uh, sometimes it's said as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a story we can relate to that has a broader spiritual picture. And so, this is what Luke says. There's a tax collector standing far off and a Pharisee, and they're praying. So Luke says, the tax collector standing far off would not lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So now here, a tax collector is somebody in society everybody hated. A tax collector oftentimes was a traitor because you were a Jewish person under Roman rule who was taking Roman taxes from God's people. And on top of that, you were usually taking more for yourself. So everybody hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth. You wouldn't, you know, give them the time of, the, of day for any reason. And the point of the story is, now here's this guy standing far off who is so humbled that he won't even look up to God but said, I am a sinner. 
And so this is a picture of, yeah, that, oh my goodness, that's, that's not who would do that. That's not what we expect. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the others. Because the other guy said, look at me, I'm so great. And he prayed so everybody could see him. And the point of the story is, is that when we humble ourselves, when we say, God, I don't deserve any of this, but thank you because you've given it to me, that is a picture of what it looks like. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we're told in this picture, you should be like the person that's looked down upon by everybody else and not by the person put up on this pedestal. And so Jesus flips the script on the way the world works. And 2,000 years later, we can still relate because we still have the same struggles. And each and every one of us in this room struggle with this. Each and every one of us struggle. But the good news is, is that the point of the story is not to feel guilty. The point of the story is to feel encouraged. The point of the story is to say, we're all failures together, but we're all in this together. And we don't have to look anywhere else but God's word and what Jesus has done for us for the answer. Because that's where the truth and the hope is. So my encouragement to you is if there's a place in your life where you, this has hit you and you felt God's word working today, pray this week about just him using that. Finding ways to take those masks off, to tear down those walls, to put that front down. To just live in a way where we try to put other people first and let everything else fall into place. And where we see ourselves the way Jesus does, as a forgiven, redeemed, fully restored, life-having, for eternity, forgiveness, he sees us that way. He doesn't see our faults. He only sees our restoration through Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you today.